take your Bibles or your outlines uh, and uh, turn to the book of James. Just a little review. We're, we're just starting in James chapter 1, verse 1. Last week, and we talked about James was not one of the 12 disciples. There's a lot of James in the Bible. Um, he is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Uh, James was a pillar of the church. He references that as, as somebody that like, they were, they're building uh, truth upon because he was, a, he was a preacher, an evangelist, a disciple, a teacher. Uh, he, had a, he had the name called James the Just. He was somebody that was devoted to uh, doing what was right. Uh, he wrote with authority of one that had personally w- witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. So he wasn't just like, hey, I heard this is true. Uh, like uh, Paul, Paul, when he was converted, I mean, he was after the church, but he never got to witness, you know, all those aspects of it. But, but James and these guys, they did. So when they were teaching, like, I know he was a good little brother and all this, or good big brother uh, and all that other stuff, but he was able to say, man, he was the son of God. He died and rose again. So he spoke with that authority. And he was talking to, he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad. So somewhere in the book of Acts, when the, uh, the opposition came against the church and they were scattered abroad. So he's talking to people that are going through a really hard time. Churches have burnt, families are divided, they're not with their friends. So you guys see what we have tonight. We're blessed. Freedom to drive to a church, get out of a car, walk inside, grab Bibles, hug each other's necks, fellowship together, pray to one. I mean, they had to live in fear of what they were doing. So they were going through a lot of trials. And, and I mean, watching like Stephen die for his faith and, and, and then the boldly go out and preach places and stuff. So they were scattered abroad and they were afraid. And so James is talking to them about the good that's going to come from this. And man, that's difficult to think about. What good could come from this? So he said, my brother encountered all joy. And you fall into diverse temptations or trials or you're being pushed. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, I'm not going to go back through that because that is what we spent all the time last week. But the principle was this. Let God work through you as he's pushing you into this. It's the perfect illustration that I can think of as I'm going through this would be like, like you going off the boot camp. And you're saying, man, they're really pushing me hard. I'm going to quit. No, no, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. There's a plan for this. Let it do its job. But man, I'm, I'm feeling, I can't go any further. I, my legs are jello. I can't keep up. I can't sleep. I can't, I just, I'm just worn out. You know, don't quit. Don't quit. That's what James is saying. Let the, let the trying of your faith, everything that you've known so far, put it to the test so that it's going to make you strain, uh, stronger. And, and so even the perfect work, it, it, that it might be perfect and entire, was talking about bringing you to maturity. You're going to be different. People that lead other people to war are people that have already seen war. And that's what captains and generals are. They walk and they're, okay, you know, straighten up. We're going to be going out there. This is what we're going to do. Like, we can't handle that. No, they're talking from experience. We need some Christians that can talk from experience to other Christians. You know, if you've never been through anything, how can you testify that God is faithful? If you've never been through anything, how can you testify that God is good? Because if we're always thinking that the Christian life is a bed of roses and then we had a hard time, then people fall apart going, where's the goodness of God? No, God is good even in those times. So he's talking about let this be part of your life. Let it, let it the hard times shape you into something good. But then 
When you hit a trial or you hit something difficult, what is the first question we ask? Why? Man, why? God, did I make you mad? I mean, am I doing something wrong? And, and sometimes if you hit a trial, it is because you did something wrong. I mean, if you're living in sin, <laughs> let me tell you, it's like, you know, like the prodigal son, did he hit hard times? Was it his fault? Yes. Okay, that's a different situation. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, we're talking to the saved, separated, called out. They're serving Jesus, preaching on the street corners. They're doing all these things. But we ask the question, why? Why is this happening? You know, what, what, God, what am I supposed to do? You know, what am I supposed to do? God, what, what, what are you doing? So James continues, and he knows what people are thinking when they're going through hard times. So he says, maybe you should ask. It's in the trying of your faith, and count it all joy, and you get to these things. So, so here's a verse that is so common, but I, I love doing what we're doing right now. It's the same thing we're doing on Sunday. We're just teaching through Luke chapter 1. Right now, we're teaching through James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. That give it to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given to him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. These passages are rich in so much practical application. So let's just start with this. If any of you lack wisdom... If you're missing the answers, if you don't understand the responses that let them ask of God. And, and so this kind of goes back to what we were going through before. When, like, God, I don't, I don't understand if, if I am preaching the gospel and Stephen was preaching the gospel and we were gathered around and we saw people doing things. And Lord, I can take you to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and people are being saved and baptized. And Lord, you know, there was thousands saved and added to the church. Why did you stop that? Wouldn't that be a normal question to ask? Like, God, I thought you could have sent down fire or you could have sent down angels. You could have done all these things, but why did you stop it? So he's saying, I know that you guys all, wherever you're at right now, you're, you're, you're confused and you're scared and you're all, all these different things and the emotions are going through and you're asking God, I don't understand. And, and God, if you're good, then why, doesn't this, why does this feel so bad? If we're being real in here, we've all asked those questions. Okay, if I'm being real, I've asked those questions. I, the biggest time I just posted yesterday was one year anniversary of Logan's surgery. And man, alive. I knew that we went through so much because last year we did six rounds of the hardest chemo known to man. It is. It is. He went through ice where he was three chemos combined in one being hospitalized for weeks at a time. It was brutal, brutal, brutal. But it was no problem. I was like, we're going to get through this because we're going to surgery. And surgery, they're getting it out, and it's going to be this huge victory. We're going to praise God. And it went totally the opposite direction. And man, when you get those times like that, you step back, and it's just like you can't breathe. And, and, and you do question. It's like, God, I don't, under, I don't understand why. And the truth is you have to have in your mind that God has a plan and God's working a plan. You have to, you have to have that made up before you get into it, because if not, it's not gonna, you're gonna feel like God's lost all control or something's falling apart. So if you lack wisdom, <clears throat> what's the word lack mean? 
Okay, so that applies to all of us. If any man, if any of you lack wisdom, and that's all of us, and it's not just in trials, it's leading your kids. If you lack wisdom, you need to ask of God. If you lack understanding, if you lack the ability, you've got knowledge, okay, God is good, God is great, and God loves me, and gets salvation, and there's a way to heaven, but, but the, the wisdom is the application of that, but I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to pray about this. I, it's, that's the wisdom part of it, because right now, let's be honest, what are we all doing? We're getting knowledge, but what you're getting right now is, is not going to be the same thing as wisdom. Because tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to have this hard situation like you're going to find out right around Christmas. Maybe they're, they're laying off at work. Or you're going to find out right now that, you know, you have a sickness of kids and just different things going on. Just like, Lord, I don't understand this. And so let them ask of God. Um, so I, I, can, I can throw this at a group of mine right here with the life group. So last Sunday night we had our... Um, we had our life group, and we had a Christmas party. And so Bob and Shara and Ken and Ingrid and all of us were hanging out after, the, and we were all just, this was heavy in our hearts. We were hours away from the scans and things like that. And me and Jenny were just like opening up, just like, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray right now, because honestly, we don't want him staying on this chemo because my kid is so sick. And last week, he had one day that he slept almost 24 hours. I mean, he, he woke up and went down on the couch and he fell back asleep and we knew his hemoglobin was so low. And then we were debating, should we just go back to Children's Hospital? Because Children's Hospital checked my son's levels two, three times a week. OSU does it once every two weeks. So we were just like, oh, like, and Shara just uh, pulls over and she goes, let's just pray. And, and I mean, like, because we're so used to praying about let the cancer shrink, let it pull away from his heart, his arteries. But we were literally just like, we don't even know what to ask for tomorrow because we don't know what to pray for. And it's like the next day, we're going to pull back the chemo, put him on an antibiotic, knock out the cold, do, do this, and everything just like boom, 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 just fell in place. If you don't know what to do, James is just simply saying, why, why don't you ask of God? Now, here's the truth. If, if, when, we, when we pray like this, we'll spend two hours on the phone venting to a friend and two minutes on our knees praying to God. That's just human nature. We can get on there like, I don't know, and I try it, and you know what, another thing, and here's the weird thing about it, and oh, I don't know, and that just doesn't make sense to me. And like, God, I don't know where you're at, and I wish you would do something. Like, the seeking God part is missing of him, but it says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And here's a response in James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. It literally is God wants you to understand. Now, it might take time to understand, but there's one thing that's true, is God wants you to ask, and God wants you to understand. Um, give it, and let me just break this down, because there's so many things in here. Give it to all men liberally. Liberally literally means bountifully. It's not like he's going to be like, well, I'm kind of figuring it out, but I don't know. He abradeth not literally means it's, it means that he's not going to be offended by it. He's not going to be rail you for it. You know, sometimes when you're a kid and you go up and ask your dad a question, and he's like, I just told you to do it, so go do it. You know what I'm saying? Just like, you're going to do it because I said so. That's why. 
And he's demonstrating from this that God loves, he's not going to rail you for asking this. He's going to give you the truth and it shall be given to him. It's not rebuke. Uh, I remember um, my kids growing up just asking questions. I remember, you guys know that I bought a fixer-upper when I bought my house. Okay, so I bought a bank-owned house that had squatters that moved into it while it was bank-owned. Uh, so there were squatters that moved into it. So when we bought the house, I know it was a wreck, it was terrible. Uh, we had to get a dump truck and wheelbarrows to empty out the house from trash. It was bad. It was really bad. And, and things. So guess what we did? Every day I had off. We had work days. And my kids were constantly like, Dad, why do we have to do this? Why is this? And things like that. And I just remember constantly having teaching moments to teach my kids. This is why we do this. And this is, you know, like, we already painted the room. Why are we doing this? I was like, well, there's two coats, and there's a reason for the two coats. But it was the same thing with that. It's, it's I want my kids to have understanding because they're going to have houses of their own, and they're going to go through stuff like that. And it's the same thing. And, and I love when my kids would ask me because it gave me an opportunity to teach them. you got to understand with life, God wants us to be successful in the Christian life and the ministry that he's called us to. And he loves for us to go, like, why am I doing this? So that he doesn't rail us for it, but he uh, gives us the answer so that we could learn and grow from that. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, Then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. And these are the instructions. You just give it. And this next part of it goes into that, and you shall search with me for with all of your heart. There's there's a part of me that doesn't want to know the answer. You know what I'm saying? We kind of hold back. There's a part of me that doesn't want to know the answer. And that's where this, this key comes in, verse 6. But, here's the but, okay. It's like, because we, we're the, okay, give me the answer. And God's not going to hold back the answer. But here's where it gets hard. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. If you're going to ask God, you have to trust him with the answer. And, and faith is more than just what you believe. It's faith is trusting God. Um, I, I remember, uh, I'm, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to tell this story, but I remember, and you guys have heard a little bit about my adventure. Morgan wanted a Kia Soul, okay? She wanted a white Kia Soul with pretty eyes, okay? This was her request, and the boys would give her a hard time because they were like, Dad, I want a V6, and I want a manual, and I want you know, all these details. And when we sat down with Morgan to figure out what car she wanted, she goes, it's got to be white, and it's got to have pretty eyes. And I had to sit down and like get on my phone and be like, what is pretty eyes? She was talking about certain style of headlights, which really she was requesting a certain year because she said, ugly eyes, ugly eyes, pretty eyes. I want pretty eyes. I said, so you want a 2015 or newer? She said, whatever, dad. And it was like, like, that's what that means. I can't go to a dealership and say, you know, I need a car with pretty eyes. I'm like, get my main card stolen from me. You know, I look like a weirdo. So, you know, so I'm, I'm going into this. And so if anybody knows, I'll share some of this. I, I ended up doing almost like a 500 mile, I did do a 500 mile nationwide search looking for this car with pretty eyes. I wanted certain miles on it, I wanted certain safety features and all that, it had to be in her price range, it was a pain. And so we, 
we went through, and I could literally tell you the story of like seven different cars where all of them got built up. This is it, Morgan, this. And then I tell her, while you're in school tomorrow, I'll call the dealership. We'll see if this is going to work out. And then I text her and go, hey, sweetie, it's a big no. She goes, why? It looks perfect. It's perfect. Well, one of the cars, it was like a 2017, and somebody spray-painted the rims, spray-painted the wheels, the custom wheels. Now, for her, she's like, oh, so they're black. No big deal. And I'm like, what kind of person gets a 2017 car and takes spray paint to it? I said, sweetie, you just have to trust me that whoever did that, they probably did other stuff, and we don't want that car, you know. And then the other one had, like, the guy, like, showed the back seat, and he was, like, uh, like doing it with FaceTime and stuff like that. And he goes, all these scratches will come out. Well, there's scratches everywhere. Then I finally figured out there was a dog that was kept in that bag. And I'm thinking, she goes, well, we'll just clean it up. I'm like, sweetie, trust me. We don't want a car that there was a big dog in the back seat for whatever. So, and so the thing is, I have a knowledge of cars. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a brainiac or whatever when it comes to cars, but I have a knowledge of cars up here. And then I've got my daughter that wants pretty eyes, okay? Does anybody see the difference up here of what we're talking about here? So I've, I've got to get her, when I tell her this is not the car, I need her to be like, okay, Dad, I trust you. And so there's got to be this thing when it comes to us asking God, and God says, uh-uh. God knows that it's kind of like the car with the, you know, all the issues. It's not, it's not a good idea. And, I mean, I had one car that towards the end that I thought this was it. And the lady said, my, my, my boss told me to tell you that the windshield is shattered. And I said, it wasn't shattered yesterday in the pictures. And she says, well, with all this b- bad weather we've had, it probably happened. And I said, ma'am, it's 75 degrees I said, what bad weather? And so I had to do it again and cancel it. I'm like, I told Morgan, I said, cars don't just shatter their windshield. Something's wrong with that car. You know, so it was vandalized or whatever. And so I, I had to lead Morgan. By the way, she got a car. It's everything she wanted and everything. And it's got pretty eyes. Um, but she had, to, she had the trust in me. So when this passage comes in and it says this, if you're going to ask the God that cares about you, let them ask in faith. You've got to ask in faith. And nothing wavering. And that's hard. That is so hard. I say that from my perspective as a dad of what I'm going through right now. Because like I said, some of these lessons are very hard to teach. Because there can't be anything wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of a sea driven with the wind tossed, uh, wind in, in, in this toss. If you've ever been on a boat, it's just, you know, you're just like all over the place. It's just like, and that's what your emotions and your life is going to be. You're just going to be all over. It's like, great day, bad day, great day. You know, just you're going to be all over the place. And there's a few similes, comparisons as we get through this. A comparison is using the words like or as. It's just saying, you know, it's kind of like this. And so that's what God was doing to give me these, give us these illustrations of saying that there's no stability in that. And, and the reason is because if, if you, you've got to trust him when even things don't make sense in your mind, we've got the illustration of Abraham and Isaac. God had a great plan, and this is what we're talking about. God had a great plan for him, but boy, it didn't make sense to him. So he had to trust in God without wavering. 
And Moses knew that God was doing a great plan with the children of Israel, and then they come to the Red Sea. And we've gone through that a few weeks ago. God had an incredible plan, incredible plan, but he had to have faith without wavering in God. Listen to the warning of this. Verse 7, for, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why is that? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. God can't work in your situation. God can't work in your family if you don't have faith. So that's the, that's the whole reason that God's the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith is when you go through these things and the little things. And if you guys weren't here, I, I, I kind of shared some of this last week and things and stuff. It, it's going through this whole journey with Logan has built up our faith to be able to, and I mean, we struggle. It's, it's, it's two steps forward, one step back. That's, that's how faith feels, okay? I'm going to do a series on faith next year, and I've been saving all these notes and all these thoughts and all these things that I've gone through, things like that about faith, not because I've mastered it, so come listen to me, uh, but literally my, my, the main aspect of the message is faith is messy and it's ugly. If I was to draw a picture of faith, has anybody seen well, like the tapestry where you see this beautiful picture, but then they flip it over and it's all these strings and ties and everything like that? Our faith more, looks more like the backside than the front side. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we're just like, we want that beautiful picture that we can like draw this image out and tell this beautiful story. But if we're being honest, you know, Elijah, you know, think about all the things that he did and think about the different people in the Bible and how at the end of it, they just kind of fell apart. You know, different things that they've gone through because they questioned that didn't make sense to them. But God wants us to strengthen our faith just like, and I shared this last week, but it was uh, when we went through all this with Logan and then Jenny sat me down about six weeks ago and told me, she says, they think that I might have breast cancer. And so we had to go and schedule an MRI and, and we went weeks of doing this and scheduling it and having to go into that room and, and get the scans. And this was just two, three weeks ago. And, but it, me and Jenny went into that way different than we would have in the past. And you say, how is that? We, we've seen what God has done. And I know, like, oh, don't fall apart. Wait, wait a minute. God's got this. It could be anything. And I know they're just precautionary. And you guys know just six months ago, Jenny's mom had cancer surgery. And, and so, and it was the same kind of cancer that they thought that she had. So it was a very high possibility of this. And, I, and again, I don't say that to brag by any means, but I could sit there and say, it was kind of like we walked in there, there with a little confidence because it was like, I know what God can do. And I, and I know even from the, the journey that we're walking through or what you're walking through right now is because God has even more to do with your life even later down the road. And so it's, it's, it's important that we learn this. It's, let me give you an illustration of this. It's kind of the trying of your faith. Think of uh, Peter walking on the water. And, and I have always thought it was weird that Jesus sends them out and then he comes out and like walks and meets them and to meet them on the water. But he doesn't just walk up and jump in the boat. He gets so far and stops. And then, and you guys know the thing. It was almost like Jesus being out there like, what are you going to do with this? And Peter is the one anxious like, Lord, bid me to do that. But you understand it was a setup. And I think God sets us up all the time, giving us opportunity to say, 
stop going to church on Wednesday and Sunday and life group and, you know, Bible studies and all this other stuff. At some point, you're going to actually have to put it into gear and see how it works. It can't be just a bunch of head knowledge. It can't be a bunch of theories. You know, like I said, explain with boot camp. What is the point of boot camp for any soldier? What is the point of boot camp for any soldier? Train them for war. Because it's hard. Sometimes you got to be put through a little bit of the trial because you're going to get ready for war. And if you go into war and you haven't been through boot camp, you're just going to find a foxhole and cry yourself to sleep. That's what you're going to do. You won't be able to handle it. And actually, that's what the Bible says. Look at verse 8. And he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man. You cannot get emotional in church on Sunday like, you know, uh, raising your hand because we sing a song about the God that does the impossible. And then Monday they say, well, they might be laying off work. Oh, where is God? I thought he loved me. You know, it's just like, whoosh, crash and burn. It's like, what happened? It's like, you just got all excited yesterday. And then it's like, it, it's, it's, that's because it's all head. It's not heart. And, and that's what the Bible is saying. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. For you, you, you believe this one minute, and then the next minute, he's, he's either God all the time, and he's faithful all the time. And, and I believe this passage means a lot of things, because a double-minded way, a man is unstable in all of his ways. And I, I believe that anybody that says, I love God, and I want to do the right thing, and I'm going to walk the church like this, and bring out my Bible, and listen to this, and then... You know, the Bible talks about fornication, then we're sleeping around on Friday night. It's like, well, wait a minute. You're unstable in all your... You can't just pick and choose what you want to believe. It's, you're unstable in all of your ways. It, it, there's got to be application to every aspect of your life. You can't... A double-minded way, a person is one that thinks one way one minute and then changes mind the next. He said, let the brother of low re degree rejoice in that he is exalted. This starts to make application to this. The low degree means a humble circumstance, humbled by circumstance, somebody of low rank, the condition of uh, poverty. Let somebody that's gone through something that, that God has humbled or brought through something rejoice in the fact that God is doing something good through this. Let him rejoice. It's almost like verse 1 and 2 that we went through, that he is exalted. That going through difficulties will change you. In the fact that God will make you rich or blessed by the fact that what he's brought you through. I'll tell you, going through trials will change your dependency on God. Going through trials will deepen your compassion for others. Going through trials will change your priorities. It will teach you how to pray. It will open your needs to others. Uh, I, I have a cool thing. Does, how many of you guys know who Kenny Baldwin is? Like, he's a... He's been a friend of mine for years and years, and he's an evangelist and a pastor, and he preaches at all the events and stuff like that. Um, the, the day before Thanksgiving, I got a phone call from Kenny Baldwin, and um, he, he was like, he said, Tony, he said, I'm not on Facebook. And he said, I didn't know Logan was, had cancer. He said, I, I'm just finding out. And he said, I'm appalled that it's been over a year, and I just didn't know and stuff like that. Kenny Baldwin almost died of COVID last year. I don't know how many people, to the point where he was on the news they did an interview with him talking about how bad he got and, and, how, and how God saved him and, and, and pulled him back. And he testified about how God pulled him through that extreme trial and stuff like that. And he told me, he said, Tony, 
He said, I have such a different perspective when I hear about anybody going through a trial. And every single morning, Kenny Baldwin texted me to say, I prayed for Logan today, and this is all the things that I prayed for Logan this morning. And, and it's just because he's been through it himself. He said, man, it's changed me so much going, being in the hospital and having, he got out and had to go through physical therapy because of COVID and all that other stuff because of it. When he preaches now to even this day, even though he's younger than I am, he preaches, he has to sit on a stool. I mean, it just, it's just changed him. And he said, I'll, I'll never view these things the same. It will, and, and it's, and honestly, what does, the, what does those things do? Okay, this is weird. Okay, and it's just the way, because God's, really showed me a lot of that. What is the purpose of all this stuff that we're talking about right now? The big picture of it. War, fighting, God teaching you. What, what is the big picture of all that? To mature us, to grow us. To do what? To serve Him. To do what? To reach the lost. To reach the lost. Glorify God. And that's really all, everything that we're talking about. It's just like Kenny is gone through this and God made him stronger to reach out to me to help make me stronger to reach out to Logan to help make him strong do you guys see what the bigger picture is and now when Kenny was in the hospital and he was literally on oxygen and all the things that he was doing he wasn't it, the trying of your faith brings maturity count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and he says in this, uh, let, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, this is not anything to rejoice over. This is not great. This is not beautiful in any sense whatsoever. But he says, if, if you would know what that low place is doing for you, you, you would rejoice knowing that God's doing great things through all of this. It just changes you. But the rich and that he is made low, that sounds like what? You're talking in riddles now. No, you, what, you, what you've been given through this is much greater than anything else that you have because as the flower of the grass that shall pass away, temporal things on this earth, for the sun is sooner risen and burning heat, but withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it pairs. So also shall the rich man fade in, in his ways. So this begins to talk about the outcome or the product of this, about the things that you do in this life that God wants to produce through you is eternal. And he said, let me give you an example. All the things that most people count as success, it's like the grass or the flower. As soon as the sun comes out and he says, that, or, the, or the weather's changed, it all dies. It all fades away. And he said, man, but what I'm trying to do in your life is not going to fade and it's not going to fall apart and it's not going to go away. It's internal character. It's it's Kenny Baldwin, two years later, reaching out to people and using what God's done in his life to make a big difference. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man that goes through these trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, you could read it like this. Blessed or happy or you know, benefited is the person that endureth or, or doesn't give up, uh, that doesn't um, throw in the towel as he's going through these trials. For when he is tempted and tried, he shall receive eternal blessings. The, the, um, the idea of the crown of life, when I looked at that, um, it's more than just the idea of just a crown. It's talking about crowns in heaven, rewards in heaven, things that you benefit bigger than anything that's on this earth. And, but the idea is just don't give up. 
I, I think I use this illustration, but let me go back to it just because it makes more sense to me than anything. Uh, we're talking about the trying of your faith. And when is it that you're, you're lifting weights? And, and I, I kind of gave this illustration. And let's say you're doing 10 reps. Well, out of 10 reps of you lifting weights and you're lifting weights that you're trying to push yourself further than what you normally do, what are the most important reps? The last ones. Why is that? It's building muscle. Well, it's tearing down muscle to build up muscle. Yeah. So, but that, the last one, like Irvin's saying, that's where you build the muscle. When do you want to quit? <laughs> that first one. <laughs> I love your honesty. But you get to where it gets uncomfortable, which is probably around seven, eight. And it's like, ah, oh, that's good enough. And then that person that puts it down, they're, they never get past the, the, the 25 pounders or 34, wherever, you know, they, they never get past that. And you're just like, so God can never do anything more with them because of the fact is they've never built themselves up. And that's why this is talking about blessed is the man, uh, blessed that endures temptation, that gets the reps 9, 10, 11, and 12. <laughs> gets to the point where it feels uncomfortable and it hurts, but you still keep going because that's where the reward comes from. And by the way, if you notice what I said, all these things, it, it, glory to God and reaching of the lost and, and testifying, all those things. What are all those things in light of this life? They are eternal things. Those are the eternal things. And, and I think even through our story and Kenny Baldwin's story and all these other stories, God wants to do things that are eternal, things that matter, things that make a difference. And God blesses. So, We'll finish up. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised him that love him. I, I, I have to zone in on this last part. Promise them that love them. If, if, you, if you get it, it's talking about a relationship, but every time this does this, it's never like God's putting us in contract with him. It is all about we love him and he loves us, and, and it is a mutual thing to where... I'm, I'm going to keep going through a trial because I know that he loves me and that I love him. And if you make this all about just being uh, I, I, a slave of God, I don't know how you'd put it, man, you're going to have the wrong perspective. But the, the drive to obey and the drive to trust God should be a relationship of love. Let me go back to pretty eyes, okay, on my car. All right. I, you know why I could go to Morgan and tell her, like, Morgan, that's not the car, and we're, we're going to keep moving, and you just have to trust me with it. Because she knows that dad would do anything. And by the way, I went crazy <laughs> distance to get her this car multiple times. So <laughs> I'm going to tell the story, I promise you. But I, I, I drove all, we, we went all the way to Pennsylvania to get the one car. And let's just say we did not come home with that car. <laughs> And it is a horrible story, of what, but I'm actually going to share it next Sunday. Not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday of, of what went through all that stuff. But I need her to know when I tell her, sweetie, I'm not just telling you no because I don't love you or I don't want you to have a car or whatever. I just want you to know I love you with all my heart and I'll do anything for you, but this is it. And that's what that end of that passage is talking about. Man, when, it, when the whole relationship is glued together by love and a connection that way, it changes the mindset of that. She'll trust me the next time because she'll know. And she ended up with a great car. She got a, a Kia Soul. Um, but let me, it was cool when God finally got her her pretty car with with these special eyes, it was, it was a young guy that was selling it, and he reminded me of Richard Hartman. 
he, he literally posted online all of his oil change records. The, 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 he wouldn't go a day over without changing his oil. He, he never let junk be in the car. It, he, he had like special vacuums and cleaners that he kept the car clean all the time. And I said, Morgan, trust your daddy. This is it. <laughs> because the guy that takes spray paint to his tires, not the guy. No, I don't want his car. I, he, that, that type of person doesn't keep service records. But this guy was an ultra per- perfectionist that had all the records kept and all the details, and he bragged on it, and he posted a 1,000 pictures of everything that he did. And I told Morgan, I said, that's the type of person we want to get the car from. And that's what she got. She got one that looks like brand new on the inside. You got it? Dad has a plan. If I could label this lesson tonight, I put God has a plan. You could put it like this. Your father has a plan. Your father has a plan, and it's a good plan. But I, I've got to tell you, with the, the having faith without wavering, is where we, that's those, those final reps that you get to, and you're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted to give up.